0: There are people who may do it, who may cook up a pot, (laughs) not a pressure cooker, but cook up a pot of everything. And that's what the family eats for the entire week. But for the other people who are rushing throughout the week and then they have to rush home and, you know, so I don't have time to make dinner. This is what we're going to do. And showing them that it can actually be done, but it's a matter of reaching out to them. Showing them something, planting the seed, and showing them that it's this is a really simple thing to do because it really is simple. Torrance's dad made a stew yesterday, beans. He put it in the pot. It took a few hours to put it together, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I need a pressure cooker, <laughs> you no. Know? But it may have been time consuming, but it was between the sweet potato. We did eggplant, the beans, navy beans, onion cabbage, you just cook it up in a pot. And this is what people did anyway. But you're looking nowadays and because fast food is just so accessible, that's the go-to for a lot of people. So it's just a matter of if we did cooking demos to show people, maybe when the farmer's market comes back, doing a cooking demo because they do cooking demos there. But You know, reaching out to them and say, "You can do this here, and we'll show them how to do it." So it's just a matter of reaching out to people and planting the seed. Because a lot of time, it's more about convenience for people. This is a convenience. You know, people are up the wee hours of the morning, and this is something they can do. It's just planting the seed.
1: Hi, this is Josh, and this is the Joshua Spodek Show, formerly Leadership in the Environment. I still bring you leaders in the area of the environment in the form of leaders and role models. Everyone treats stewardship like a burden or a chore, deprivation, sacrifice. So did I until I actually tried it seriously. It is a joy. Everything about it, we're here to share that joy. Meet amazing world around people from all parts of life, hear about them, what the environment means to them, and hear most of them find something meaningful to act on and then to share their experience. Why? Because stewardship and acting to help others for something greater than all of us creates about the greatest feeling humans can get, as does fresh air clear water, delicious food, and clean land, that's what we're bringing you. The quote you just heard was Rhonda's description of how showing people how to cook the way that I showed them could save time and money for people up in the Bronx to enjoy fresh fruits and vegetables. Watch the video of my coming to the Bronx for the CSA group that she put together at the church to cook my famous no-packaging vegetable stew. I'll put the link in the text. Our conversation came shortly after that potluck. In this episode, you'll get to hear how that event went. One woman said that you couldn't cook that way up there, but then everyone else who was there said that it was possible and how they could do it. Rhonda knew everyone there, so listen to this episode to hear her read of the situation. My read of what Rhonda said is that it just takes time. People have to learn how to cook this way. They used to, or they do it without pressure cookers. Now they can learn to do it with pressure cookers and save time and money. I also noticed that the woman who said that it was impossible, she and her husband shied away from, I think, all the vegetable dishes that anyone brought in favor of the more refined dessert-type things but that was just my read. You can hear how Rhonda saw it and she knew everyone there. On a personal level, as much as I hold with disdain, the people who discount what I do out of seeing me as privileged, after all, none of the people who'd say that ask me about my struggles. Their challenging me on this did lead me to this friendship with Rhonda. So I actually have come to appreciate when people say, oh yeah, well, what about this? What about that? Instead of just trying it themselves, although I do recommend trying it yourself. Going on to a new topic of my not flying. People always tell me about how flying brings them to other cultures. Well, either my friendship with Rhonda is me meeting someone very similar to me, in which case they can stop suggesting that I'm so privileged, or they can accept that people we can learn from from different cultures are subway rides away. Personally, the more that I meet people, the more that I find similarities between people. But that's just my read. Let's listen to Rhonda. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment Podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Rhonda Lamb. Rhonda, how are you? Hi,
0: Josh. I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: I'm very good. Very good to talk to you. And many guests I don't get to see between when we record the first time and the next time. Well, the last time you were at my place, then since then I've been up to, not your place, but a church around the corner from your place. And a big virus has hit the world. And so lots of things have changed. I'm inclined to ask how your environmental behavior has changed since the first time, if you don't mind starting there.
0: It's been a process. (laughs) Uh And I know that as far as um, my task and eliminating, you know, uh, the plastic and not producing so much, uh, garbage in a day and seeing how I can just condense at the garbage aspect. And I guess you're referring to that, correct?
1: Yeah. I'm also curious if food has changed too, but that was like the task. So uh, let's start with the task one first, the garbage.
0: I didn't do great. But as time went on, I knew my intentions were there as far as not producing so much garbage. So I did reduce the number of bags that I brought into the house. But it seemed like I had even more garbage for some particular reason. When you have other people, you know, who live with you, you know, so there's my son and his stuff and then his dad and his stuff. So I don't think I made any type of progress in that. But when I met you, when you came up to the church for our potluck, I have. And that was what, a week
1: ago? I think it was two or three weeks ago.
0: Okay. So I did make progress in those two weeks, you know, as far as the plastic bags. And I'm reusing the plastic bags that I get from the produce, mm-hmm. not bringing in so much produce that had in packages. So I'm bringing more and more produce in without the packaging. So I needed that, the potluck on the 7th, just to remind me what I needed to do. You know, so I've made progress in the two weeks as opposed to the last time we met. And and just informing, advising family members, uh, this is what we should be doing. And just being the example, basically. So in going to the store, I still have my cups. You know, so if I go to the store, I'll carry the cups and put particular things in it. So it is a process. It is doable,
1: and I carry on. <laughs> <laughs> what changed at the potluck? Like? Was it me showing up with my big bag of stuff? I mean, you said you're an example for people in your household. Was I an example for you? Because when you came over, I'd already bought Word. all the stuff.
0: Because when you pulled out that that bag that had uh, it probably has something yellow in it, I'm like, well, you know, you're able to bring well oh, the turmeric, the turmeric, oh, yeah. okay. And I looked and I'm like, you know, I'm able to do this. I'm able to do this. So I started doing it. And it's really not that difficult. I guess you just had to, you were the example at that point. And, and now I would just have to pass it forward. That's about it.
1: I didn't think of that because I, I invite people over a lot. And I usually, sometimes I'll meet someone and we'll go to the farmer's market together. Usually I'm already at my place. They just show up and I got all the ingredients there. Shopping is a different story. I actually have a friend who, he's a fitness coach. And one of the things he does, he goes people with them shopping and watches them shop and sees how they go down the aisles, what they reach for, what they look for, which I'm sure is going to be different when you know someone's following you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still, it's like the in the moment behavior makes a big difference. And I did do that one video of me cooking. Shopping is another story. So you saw that and that made a difference. Just there's one thing to know you can do. It's another thing to see it.
0: And I'd seen it with the first podcast, but it just didn't hit me at that moment. When you came two weeks ago, it did. And I need to do this. And, you know, it wasn't just the, the nut bag or when you put all of the condiments, the onions and whatever, the nuts on that one dish or cutting board and the way everyone just shared it, you know, as opposed to creating multiple bowls for everyone, you know? So it's just cutting down on the amount of waste because we have it. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to use it. We can just combine it or or reuse. When they speak about reusing, we don't think about reusing in our homes. We're thinking about putting it in the recycling bin and allowing them to reuse it, you know, or to recycle it so they can reuse it for whatever they need to, to do. So I've just been reusing a lot of things. You know, I, I reuse glass, you know, when I get uh, drinks from the store, I convert those into bottles that I can use for my smoothies or my juices, or for herbs or nuts. So I have a <laughs> I have a kitchen cart which has jelly jars, coconut jars, you know, the mason jars. And they're filled with herbs and spices and different things like that. So that's what I reuse my bottles for. The bag's the same thing. When I go to the supermarket, I'll do just that. I'll pull up my bag and just refill it with the beans or the grains, you know, which is doable. A lot of people don't do it because it's it's convenient for them just to grab a bag from the store. And looking at it now, because they have stopped with plastic bags in my area, it becomes more, even more so. So you carry your reusable bag with you, but then you also keep the plastic bags and the cups in the bags. So when you go to the supermarket, you don't have to inundate yourself with additional bags, you know, at, you know, bring them back home. So it's a process. It is doable. And I think I'm loving it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was it like when I got there and I said, you had the paper bowls and the disposable stuff. And I was like, Oh, aren't there any others? Was that a shock, or was that like, oh, I didn't think of that? How did that feel when I, because I thought they were going to be bowls.
0: Well, you know what, they were supposed to be, but because I just threw it together at the last minute, and there were many different things going on between you know what I do, and I wanted to order them from a particular place. I did go to a store that was close to me. I know you suggested a place that was near you for the utensils, but it's it was just about time at that oh, point. any,
1: I think. Every goodwill that I've or Salvation Army that I've ever been in, they have piles and piles of cutlery of the silverware.
0: Yeah, it was just a matter of me getting to one, and then there there is one about twenty minutes away from me. But it was just I wasn't going in that direction.
1: And the church didn't have anything already.
0: What they gave me
1: were paper items. You know, she gave me the bowl. Yeah, you got it. What they give you is going to be junk. Mm-hmm. That's like people go into stores. I was talking to my doorman a while ago, and he's telling me about how little he wastes and stuff. And as I'm talking, I notice he's got a plastic cup of juice behind him, and I say, "What's that?" And he says, "Oh, well, I mean, they handed it to me. What was I supposed to do?" And I say, "Don't take it." Okay. And he goes, "But I wanted some juice." And I was like, "Get an apple." I and I'm, I'm not saying it like this. I to him, I was much more polite, not like this way, because I want to be supportive. But I'm surprised at how much people feel like what am I supposed to do? Someone gives me a piece of plastic. How can I not accept it? And I'm like, well, you just don't accept it. And you can go without juice. Actually, I have this very liberating thing I discovered, which is before, for roughly 200,000 years, or 300,000 years of human existence, after weaning, we drank water. That's it. Sometime later, there was wine and beer that we fermented or whatever, but we just drank water. And once I learned that, Water's fine. You know, if I'm somewhere and someone wants to give me a glass of scotch, I'll take it. But it's such an extra treat. And I think the net joy to my life to get it when it's a special occasion, as opposed to whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want it, who cares? And and like acting like I'm helpless when someone hands me a plastic cup and juice is pretty sugary anyway.
0: Well, you know, with that, when she handed it to me, uh, I took it with hesitation because first of all, in using a bowl that has the ink in it, you know so I looked at it and I put it on the side, but it wasn 't something that I wanted to use. I just put it there because I knew other people may use it, but if i didn't use it, then maybe other people would, even with the cups, there were cups that were there that that we had for the c s a in our in our closet and I don't like to use those cups because they have, it creates some type of wax. Uh So when I did ask the uh, young lady from the church, she gave me basically the same thing, but the wax was on the outside of the cup and you had the regular, um, it wouldn't have created any type of wax film, you know, if once you poured the the juice or water into the cup. So I said, all right, well, these are better than the ones that I have. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up giving me the plastic cups, which were, Better than the two alternatives, <laughs> but I chose the plastic cups because you didn't have any type of ink or any type of wax that would have been created. So I did it with hesitation, but the plastic cups looked all right, this is it. and then that was it. you know otherwise I would have had I have six reusable cups in my kitchen and I knew that there were eight people coming and I decided not to bring the six because it wouldn't have been enough, but I should have, because we had two glass bottles at the church already and we could have used the two glass bottles and the six reusable cups. So now I'm thinking about it, you know, now I know what to do next time. But at that moment it was, all right, well, I have this many people. And, and that's, that was my thought at that time. You know, it wasn't about, all right, well, keep them on the side what I thought was keep them on
1: the side and maybe no one will use them, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, for me, a rule I gave myself is that I have low standards for myself the first time. Meaning if I have high standards for myself the first time I do something, it demotivates, discourages me from doing something new. I remember you had to reschedule the the event, the potluck, and you have to organize people and that's a lot of work. <laughs> cups are easier than people, I, I find, to deal with. The cups don't reschedule on you. And so, the first time I do something, I feel like if I did it at all, that's success. And if I, if I can do it better the next time, great. But I, I'll do it better the next time much more effectively if I do the first time at all than if I don't do the first time at all. And well, I don't know with the virus when the next time there'll be a potluck like lunch or dinner, but I've certainly learned the more that I've done this to know what to look for, know what to prepare. Because I would have said to everyone, bring your own bowl. I think, and this came from past ones that I've done. I did one where I did this um, a corporate event where I cooked for like 50 people, and I kept telling them no disposable stuff, and they kept getting more disposable stuff. And they got an alcohol sponsor because there was enough people. I don't mind that there's going to be that. That's, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of bottles and, and packaging with the the alcohol, but they kept getting ingredients that there there was no need to bring bread, and they didn't tell me they just got bread without uh, which came in these bags, and. A lot of people feel like they have to give and give and give. And I guess that that probably goes back from a long time ago of, of this need to reciprocate or this need to bring gifts. But in a time when our oceans are overflowing with plastic, and that's just plastic, but I mean, even if someone gets something recyclable, if they get something aluminum, it's still you still have to melt the aluminum. It still takes a lot of energy to do that. And I feel like stewardship, taking responsibility for how your behavior affects others is is meaningful. It's like not something, it's like not an afterthought.
0: Well, you know, in you saying that, it's planting the seeds. So in you visiting us and doing what you do, you did plant the seed. I know, yes, I could have said, listen, bring your own utensils, which I believe some people actually brought their own utensils. Uh, bring your own bowls so you can eat. And one woman did bring well, her yeah, own. Well, someone some woman, yeah, someone you know. did. So it's being the example planting the seed. And then the number of guests that we did have, they did take something away from that event. You know, I'm quite sure because young lady and her husband, you know, they compost every single week, Mm -hmm. but looking at different things, you know, maybe there's something that they took away from it. Maybe there's something that, well, definitely there's something you probably said. And it's like, well, you know what, Josh spoke about this. So maybe we'll make this change. Kathy even had, she took the paper plates that everyone used or the plates, they weren't, even, they weren't paper, they were uh, some type of foam, but she was able to take them, we washed them out and she took them home and put them in the recycling bin or she did something with them, you know? So she's, she has the mindset in the first place, but everyone else, you know, we took something away from that event. I did definitely, you know? So it's just about planting the seed and seeing what everyone does with that seed. So if I didn't say something, maybe you said it, especially with the bowls, reusable bowls. So I went downstairs and found these humongous bowls that we could have eaten out of, Uh but it would have been kind of weird, I guess. But we did have the bowls that we could have used, you know, so it is a process definitely. So next time that it's done, I told you that I didn't put my full effort into it, you know, and that was because I didn't get the reusable items. But next time in preparing for it, we'll have either I'll get them and leave it at the church where the church can reuse them as well or just advise everyone to bring their own separate bowl and utensil or utensils. So it'll be done better next time.
1: I think the best way to do something is let go of, this is my experience speaking. I'm not trying to be authoritative here, just from what I've learned. The best way to find out how to do it very well is to do it at all and learn from experience. But a lot of people think, actually, I think that they're protecting themselves from even trying. They want to plan to do it perfectly. And they plan and plan and plan and don't act. I'm speaking, of course, about myself before the no packaging food that regular listeners probably know. I I spent six months after I had the idea of trying to avoid packaged food for a week of planning and planning. And all that happened was I, I would mentally make my mind busy. And then once the feeling of, oh, I should do something went away, then I'd stop the planning and I'd go back to what I was doing before and nothing actually happened. Whereas once I started doing things, going to the store when you're hungry is a pretty, and, and, and saying I'm not going to get anything in a package is a pretty effective way of getting something unpackaged, which, you know, my case would be broccoli or cauliflower or fruit. And when when we were there, I showed people what I did. And then I asked, could you guys do this up here? And the first woman to answer I don't know if she listen to this episode, so I don't want to put you on the spot with something she might hear. She said, this would be, not be possible up here. But then the next people who spoke said, oh, I'm down by the, I mentioned my co-op and the farmer's market. And they're like, oh, I go down there all the time. I think one woman worked right around the corner from there. And the other guy, his business took him to that hotel on Bowery, not far away, like right around the corner. And so I got a mixed signal. It's not possible versus, oh, this is more possible than I thought. I wonder if you had to feel, I mean, you know them better than I do.
0: Well, you have to look at people's schedules and the schedules, their lifestyle. Their the the, some get in; they work from eight o'clock in the morning until eight at night, and that's probably the last thing that they're even thinking about. So, there are different dynamics here. So, the one woman who said it wasn't possible, her being a lawyer and her husband—I'm not sure what he does—but her mindset is, well, no, it can't be done. But At least her mindset wasn't there as opposed to the other people, you know, where they compost every week. So some people were there already. Other people, it's just about trying it and seeing how it can work for you. It's it's baby steps. It's baby steps. So she's like, no, it's not going to work up here. But there are certain things that I do, you know, that she might not do because of her schedule. Maybe she's just tired when she gets home and she's not thinking about it. You know, so I just think that's what it is. What we can do is maybe contact her and see where she is at this point. Since it's been two weeks, has her mindset changed about being able to do it? Is it possible for her to do it now? So she goes from not being possible to, yeah, there's a possibility. And I would say that she would say at this point, there is a possibility that she can incorporate this into her lifestyle.
1: I'd love to hear if you do talk to her. I mean, you know her. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you notice the bag that I carried everything up in? Mm -hmm. That bag is like, I probably, I think I got it in the nineties. Okay. I don't know if that made a difference of, because people keep getting more and more canvas bags or tote bags. And I keep thinking, how do you need more? Because I have to turn them away. And I think most people have a bag that like stuff that they can use and they can keep, it's all there. I don't know if that made a difference.
0: You know, I was in Harlem a few years ago and there was a bag in the middle of the street. I think it was an Amazon bag. <laughs> one of those delivery delivery companies, Amazon or Fresh Direct, Fresh Direct. And the bag was right there in the middle of the street. No one, everyone just walked past it. And and I did, I did walk past it. And I double backed. And I said, you know what, I can use this. So I picked it up, I took it home. I washed it. and. That's what I use, you know, when I have particular groceries. I put it in this bag. I think I believe I did bring it to the uh, potluck the other day. It was a green bag and I had I put everything inside of it. And I had my I had my cloth napkins because here I use cloth napkins. So I have my salad forks wrapped in my cloth napkin. So it is easier if you have just one, I have actually two of them, one from Whole Food and one from Fresh Direct. And it, it it is easier just to carry those particular bags, transporting, um, if you go into a family event, and which is what I did also, I, I transported two bowls of food in this bag to the event, as opposed to using the canvas bags that you get from the supermarket. So it's because we're a society where, Everyone believes we need a lot of stuff. <laughs> bags are a part of that. And then they decorate the bag so nicely. And it's like, oh, I have to have that bag. So that's why one of my friends, she probably had 50 bags. And some of them were beautiful. <laughs> you know. But because we're about stuff, it's not a big deal for people to just buy a bag and keep it in their home. But then they forget it when they go shopping. You know, as opposed to having just two or three bags that you use just for groceries and not worrying about how pretty your bag is when you transport your groceries home. You know, so it's a process. It really is a process. And and until you plant the seed, it's going to continue to be a process for everyone. You know, I look at it and the number of bags that I have in my kitchen right now are minuscule compared to what I used to have. You know, I used to have a bag that's big, filled with plastic bags. And now I may have three or four right now. And then that's basically it. You know, so and it's and that's been a number of years. So it definitely is a process.
1: You know, up here, now that I'm staying at my mom's house, yesterday morning, I was just telling someone else this. We went shopping at the local ShopRite And it's my first time at a supermarket in at least a year. The amount of packaging is insane. And it hit me why people keep saying, I can't, you can do it, but I can't. Well, there's lots of reasons why people say that. But one of them is that, I mean, I walk in the store. First of all, the vegetables are not from a local farm. None of them. They're all, I can't tell where anything's from. They all look perfect. Like when I get stuff from the, from a nearby farm, the apples are, they're certainly not waxy, shiny. They're different shapes and everything's all different. And there it's all you can tell by the farmer's market what season it is because just by looking at what vegetables are there, but at the supermarket, it's all the same. And I've heard this, but I hadn't experienced it until after I'd been used to the seasonal. Cause partly I thought normally I, around now I've, I brought a bag of food up here from my farmer's market and, or my CSA, and it's full of radishes, turnips, rutabaga, kohlrabi, root vegetables. And then I go to the store and there's Eggplants and cauliflower and stuff that's, I presume, shipped in from California. And part of me is thinking, oh, why don't I get it? But part of me is thinking, it's, again, just getting whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want it, just because you can afford it, is to me not something very unfulfilling about that. It makes, like there's strawberries in the fridge, and I've, I've been eating a couple strawberries. Strawberries in March, that's not when they're in season. And now if you just get them at any time not to mention you know the clamshell plastic box that they come in they don't have the flavor of the ones that and they they're really giant red and something happened i mean the market i guess responds to oh the people want this let's give them that but that's not what necessarily makes us happy and that's not necessarily what makes us appreciate our food more that's been my experience
0: you're right um, as far as the taste And fruits, you know, the strawberries are humongous. And I go back to a movie. This must have been over 30 years ago. Sleeper by Woody Allen? No, no. The name of the movie has left me. It has something to do with, uh, it's a farm. And the county, they're not doing well. You know, so something happens where uh, someone comes in and they put something in the water. And it creates phenomenally enormous sized fruits and vegetables, maybe a, a pepper. It could be as, as large as your head. Wow. <laughs> you know? So everyone's taken with this and, you know, the farm starts making money, the markets are making money. But then after a while, everyone starts developing warts on their bodies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm looking at, I'm checking this movie out and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then present day, I see a pepper that could be the size of your head. Mm-hmm. I've actually noticed, witnessed a head of lettuce as big as two two heads. And I'm like, this is not normal. It's not normal, you know? And then I start realizing that the, strawberries, the particular fruits, particular vegetables don't have a taste. And usually when I go to the supermarket, I scent or I smell the the fruits just to see if it has a scent. If it doesn't, then I don't buy it. If it does, it may have a slight scent to it. So I don't buy it because it should have, it should be overpowering. With the farmer's market, not the farmer's market, with the CSA, when we keep our vegetables in the church, you know, I, I have to, uh, when it's delivered, I um, I sort through my count them. and But when you walk into the church, you know that we've got some food there, you know, because that's cilantro, there's oh, that the smells, parsley, yeah. and it overwhelms the church. But when you go into the supermarket, do you actually scent the fruit? No, you don't. You know everything's in a plastic, and the plastic is to contain it so it doesn't ripen at that point. Because if they had everything loose, then everything would probably go bad. Because people probably don't buy as much in one day as the supermarket would want them to. That's why they keep them in plastic. They they keep bananas in plastic so they won't ripen. But when you bring them home and you take them out of the plastic, you know, in a matter of days, two days, maybe one day, it, it they ripen. So they're containing the process of the foods when you go to a supermarket, as opposed when you go to a farmer's market or the actual farm, they're allowing the process to take place. So I've noticed it. And when I saw that movie, that's why when I go to the supermarket, I do look for miniature uh, items. I don't go for the big items because there's no taste to it. So you're right in that aspect. And it continues that way. As they look to, I guess alter the the makeup of particular fruits, which they have done, you know watermelons aren't watermelons now. honeydew melons. I enjoy honeydew melons, but the taste isn't what it used to be. So people have gotten I think they've gotten comfortable with the way things are, and if they had seen that movie that that scene over thirty years ago, then maybe it would strike a chord with them at this point. but for the most part, If it's affordable, then they'll buy it because it's affordable. If it's not, then they just leave it alone. You know, I've gone pineapples. I love pineapples. But for $7 for a pineapple, I just think $7 for a pineapple is ridiculous. You know, And I did purchase an organic pineapple a few years ago. And I was excited. It was small. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing now. I'm buying organic. But when I got home and I went to cut it, it had, no, it had no taste. It had no scent to it. So, you know, when does it leave us? So I think people are satisfied because the foods that they are getting, the, the processed foods, do taste good. They do. French fries from the diner, <laughs> you know, phenomenally good. Packaged French fries and you put the ketchup all over it. It's fantastic. The kids love it. But the stuff that we should be eating, they're just altering it and it's it's not good. And people do, will go to the phenomenal whopper at this point, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it still is being the example and being steadfast. And I say that and I may sound like a hypocrite because at the potluck, I didn't do what I knew was right. Or do I say right or do I say um Ethical.
1: (laughs) Consistent with your values or?
0: Right, right. So now it's just, all right, Ron, the next time you do this, this is what you do. You know, forget the fear factor. Maybe I was fearful that, you know, if I said to people, listen, bring your own bowls. And they say, uh, well, it's a potluck, but won't you supply this? Someone, one of the participants called me and said, do you have plastic bowls and, and, and cutlery? And I'm like, well, let me check. And at that point, I could have said, well, you know, maybe you can bring your own. I could have said that, but I didn't. So next time I know, it's, all right, let me
1: just have everyone bring
0: their own. And maybe they'll be comfortable bringing their own at that point, as opposed to me supplying things that are just going to go to waste.
1: My experience doing this a lot is that people, at first they, they want what's easy, but when you do it, it almost always engages community and connects people. And the thing of doing stuff together, it's possible that someone would say, "Bring my own bowl," I'm busy, but I think some would, I don't know. My my hunch is that people would say, "Yeah, I'll be happy to," once they realize you're not trying to make life difficult for them. You're just like, let's let's participate in this together. I mean, they brought their own food. I, I think everyone brought some food.
0: They did, yeah, yeah.
1: And your rice was really good.
0: Oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks.
1: Yeah, I haven't bought black rice, so I, was,
0: I wanted to, I really wanted to bring um, wild rice. But I wasn't able to find it. And I, I only had a bit left. So it wouldn't have accommodated everyone. So, that was a big bowl you brought. Mm-hmm, the white rice. I mean, the, the, the black rice. Yeah. yeah. It was the, um, so it's pretty good. It's better than, you know, the other rice is that. And it has a nice flavor to it. And you can season it the way you want to. So I, I did put, I, I put turmeric in it. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't, I don't use oil or anything like that. So it was just the rice, shungite water and turmeric.
1: Now, I think I asked you this last time, but I'm going to ask you again. A lot of people say to me, Josh, what you do is not accessible for people who are like a single mother or someone who's not near the farmer's market. What do you say to that? What can I say to that? Because I am, well, now I'm not, but usually I'm down by the farmer's market. I'm not a single mom. So I can't speak from other people's experience, but what's your experience?
0: I do have to travel <laughs> to get the type of food that I do want because I'll trek over to 96th Street or 72nd Street, you know, to pick up some organic fruits and vegetables because I've noticed that in our area, you know, it is a lot of packaged stuff. You know, I've noticed that some of the fruits that we do get here when I'm picking, you know, just deciding what I'd like between raspberries or blueberries, I notice mold (laughs) in the packaging. But when I go out to the city, the organic fruits and vegetables do taste sweeter they do there's a totally different taste to to the foods between this area and other areas and they notice that so that's why they you know we do have the farmers market throughout the bronx you have it in the botanical garden you have it near me near the train station and they're popping they're popping up throughout the bronx but Is that the food that we should be getting? Does it come directly from the farm? Some, no. Some may be items that they actually get from maybe a warehouse. And you can, you notice a difference. So they are looking to make changes, you know, because over here near me, near the Bronx River, they created an herb garden, you know, and then they have an herb barge that comes out during the summer. So, they know what the situation is and they're looking to make adjustments. You know, people are coming on board. It would be phenomenal if they created a, um, or brought, I guess maybe a whole food. I don't know if that's even better, but bringing a whole food into our area down over near Bruckner, they opened up a stopping shop, but would that have been the perfect place for a whole food for this area?
1: Or a farmer's market.
0: Or a farmer's market. I mean, we have farmer's can... market on, uh, it, they come back in June and they're here until November. You know, so we do have that, but a lot of it is not organic.
1: If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small it doesn't matter. If you care, If it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodick.com slash donate. You guys kept thanking me for coming up there, but part of why I came up was I think that if there's not demand for farmer's markets, then the farmer's markets might pop up, but they might disappear again. There's only so much you can push on people. And I think of my cooking is very simple. I mean, there's not a whole lot of ingredients and there's not a whole lot of work to go into it. And if people aren't going to shop there, they're not going to work. So I want people to shop there. I want to enable people that when the food is available, that they, sh- they snap it up because it's there. When I say food, well, I, you know, natural uh, stuff from the farms.
0: And they do, you know, the farmer's market every, every Friday, starting in June. It, You know, we have a, a nice amount of people who frequent it. However, it's the time. So you have people who go to work. They have to be on the train at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. The farmer's market is just setting up at eight o'clock. They leave at three o'clock. And the reason to that, my, my take on it is that they travel what, an hour, two hours to get to that particular spot in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And then they start packing up at three o'clock and they leave so they don't run into rush hour. So Friday, rush hour, and you're transporting a truck one, one and a half, two hours to get back to your farm. So that comes into play also. If it were done on a Saturday, I'm quite sure there, there would be many more people who who would frequent the farmer's market. But, you know, in having the farmer's market, they have them in strategic places. So I know they have one in Mott Haven on a Saturday. You know, and people may frequent that, you know, that farmer's market. But it's just a, a time factor in Parkchester. You know, a lot of people work and they're not, they're not able to make it to the farmer's market on a Friday between 8 and 3. So there are many things that come into play. A lot of people do shop in the city where they work, and then they bring it home. But as far as where we are right now, it has to be it has to be accommodating for the people who work at nine to five. I, I hear what you're saying as far as making your voice heard, and then that's probably something that we can speak with council people about. You know, as far as um, adjusting the time that the farmers come to Parkchester, making it on a Saturday even a Sunday, but then are they willing to do that? So um, you make a good point, you know, as far as that's concerned. So it's just a matter of connecting with the correct people who can make the change.
1: Well, for my part is to give people experience making, you know, five, 10 meals at once with a small number of ingredients. Then the reason I went up there, partly because I like you, you came. To my place the first time, but that I want to show that this is really easy. Not that I'm like a chef, you know, it's just, I've just stumbled on something that works. I mean, I didn't stumble on it. I kept at it and at it and at it until it worked.
0: And you know what? And you saying that I lived in Queens and I worked in Manhattan, but every morning I'd get up an hour early and I'd make dinner. You know, so it would be ready for us for the evening, so you came up to you know uh, the church a few weeks ago, so you showed me so now, do I just take what you've shown me and just do a demo for everyone else? so you know in having when time suits us, we can actually show people, all right, this is what we can do. There are people who may do it who may. Cook up a pot, (laughs) not a pressure cooker, but cook up a pot of everything, and that's what the family eats for the entire week. But for the other people who are rushing throughout the week, and then they have to rush home, and you know, so I don't have time to make dinner. This is what we're going to do, and showing them that it can actually be done. But it's a matter of reaching out to them and showing them something, planting the seed, and showing them that it's this is a really simple thing to do because it really is simple. Florence's dad made us a, a stew uh, yesterday. You know, beans, and he put it in the pot, and it took a few hours to put it together. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, I need a pressure cooker." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know? but it was just—it may have been time-consuming, but that's what we do.
1: Did you put orange peel in it? No,
0: no, it was. Uh, well, he may have. I don't think. I don't think he did. I have to ask him yeah but it was between the um, sweet potato we did eggplant the beans navy beans uh, cabbage and you just cook it up in the pot and this is what people did anyway but you're looking nowadays and because fast food is just so accessible that that's the go-to for a lot of people so it's just a matter of if we did cooking demos you know just to show people you know, maybe when the farmer's market comes back, that's a thing that can be done doing a cooking demo because they did cooking demos. They do cooking demos there. But, you know, reaching out to them and say, you know, listen, you can do this here, you know, and, and we'll show them how to do it. So it's just a matter of reaching out to people and planting the seed. That's basically all it is because a lot of time, it's more about convenience for people. And this is a convenience. You know, people are up the wee hours of the morning and this is something they can do, you know, so... It's just planting the seed. That's
1: all. A lot of people tell me people don't have time, but the average American watches five hours of TV a day. And I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. And I have time. I wonder if there's a connection between (laughs) not watching Game of Thrones. I I don't keep track of all this TV stuff.
0: But But say that, you know, it depends on what you're willing to do. So are you willing to watch Game of Thrones? Are they willing to... At least attempt to make a pot of the or, or, or. It's just a matter of willing. Are you willing to do it? That's it. Is it something that's interesting to them? Are they comfortable doing things the way they do it? You know, are you comfortable not watching a Game of Thrones? So there's that comfort zone, there's that willingness to want to do it. And then there's a time factor also. So once you're able to make adjustments to those three things, then then you've got it, you know, but it's just planting the seed. It's just planting the seed. So you planted the seed and then we move forward. You know, we got to pass it forward.
1: I look forward to hearing back from you on what's happened now. If I read you right, that you start planting seeds, or you've already been planting seeds. If you plant this new seed, I, I'd love to hear back how it grows anew and evolves.
0: Definitely, definitely. There's so many, so many But I will let you know, I'll speak with the other uh, young lady and her husband, what what they got from our meeting, you know, a few weeks ago. I'd love to hear. Yeah, definitely.
1: Definitely. Well, Rhonda, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you, as always.
1: There's no question that different neighborhoods have different access to food versus doof. Doof, if you don't know, is my word for processed things that look like food, but they're not really food. I'll put a link in the, in the text to my episodes on doof. Anyway, that's my new word. I hope you start using it too. But my question's to you. Do you accept that difference? Do you just simply accept it? Do you consider it fair? If not, what are you doing to change it? I don't think we have to accept it. I believe I'm helping to change it. I believe that I'm helping reverse the trend of doof producers, McDonald's, Starbucks, places like that, to extract money from communities with less defense to their manipulations. They claim to offer convenience, but make people dependent creating lifestyles to spend less time with family, spend more money, and to keep working at low wages. That's what they make the convenience for so people can keep working, working, working. I recommend you help my process instead of sustaining what McDonald's and Starbucks are doing, perpetuating poor health and impoverishing people. Rhonda and I have become friends over vegetables. She met my mom, I met her son, I met her community. Food brings people together. In my experience, much more when you meet the farmers and prepare fruits and vegetables from scratch. Rhonda talks about planting seeds. I love the pun. I don't know if she did it on purpose and how it's a process. I'm glad that she's patient. I don't mind if I sound impatient in comparison because I'm sharing deliciousness, cleanliness and purity. I hope you get on board. Try some of these famous no packaging vegetable stews. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodekcom slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodekcom slash donate.